So another question for you to start the podcast. I'm all ears. Are you looking for something nostalgic and funny or something true crimey and murdery? Oh, it's I I love murder. I love crime. I, I love everything about it. All right. I think I know what we're talking about today then. I love it. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Richard. And welcome to Daily Chit Chat. Join us every weekday as we talk about what we're loving, what we're streaming, where we're going, and maybe some obscure references. Let's chit chat. It's something I like to affectionately call Murder Among Mormons, but the official title is actually Murder Among the Mormons. I think that title of the, though, needs to go. Murder Among Mormons. It just rolls off the tongue a little easier. If uh, that's your special nickname for the show, you can call it that. Just call it Murder Mormons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, or just Mermo. Mermo, oh, because I call myself a a formo or a fomo, a former Mormon. So mm-hmm. uh, a mermo would be like a murder Mormon. I like it. Okay, great. Patent pending. So I watched all three episodes of this series. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop. We, we pinky swore that we would at minimum watch one, but yeah, it's hard to stop watching about the mermower yeah the (laughs) mermore the (laughs) mermore before we jump into the details i mean anybody who's seen like the previews for it you're gonna understand this is a docuseries based on true events a true crime true murder Hmm? right there in the title and so before we jump into the the details they start the first episode by going over some at the time news footage of the story being reported in Utah around the nation. Did you recognize one of the news anchors in that first pre-credits sequence? Was it one of our favorite news anchors? I don't know who your favorite news anchors are. I ask you every week, Richard, tell me who are your favorite news anchors of all time. And you're like, I'll tell you later. I don't think we're close enough friends. So is today the day? Who's your favorite news anchor? Well, it used to be Kathy Gertzen. I definitely, I loved her. Um, She can still be your favorite. Oh yeah. She has plenty of news archives that I can go back and watch. She's pretty good. Um, If, uh, if we're talking about current news anchors, I don't know. Like. I'm just asking, did you recognize any faces of the news anchors in the pre-credit sequence? I don't think you did. I don't so think So without did. further ado, it was Tom Bergeron. He used to be a news anchor. Didn't you recognize Tom Bergeron? Oh my gosh, I guess I didn't. I need to go back and watch now. Maybe it just flew over my head. 
Oh, boy. Yes. Tom Bergeron, formerly of Dancing with the Stars and America's Funny Some Videos, started, I guess, in serious news. So yeah. he was one of the news anchors in the first couple minutes reporting on this story. So I'm used to him with gray hair. So I need to go back and just like pretend he has what? gray hair. Yes. Tom Bergeron has gray hair? What are you talking about? You don't think, the, you don't think the host of Dancing with the Stars and America's Funniest Home Videos has gray hair? I'm I, pulling up I'm pulling up image search on my phone. Let's I'm take excited. A look here. Excited to see the answer. He just seems so youthful. He has a youthful personality. I do like his delivery. I've always enjoyed him saying, you know, we'll be right back after a commercial oh, break. It's, it, it is very gray now. I guess I was thinking of um, his more salt and pepper look. But yes, it is definitely gray right now. I think it's because you you view him as he once was, which I think he'd be grateful for. But I appreciate the man he is today. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing I just want to touch upon before we get started with the yeah. actual story of this is um, like many true crime documentaries or retellings, they do some recreations. And I will say overall, the recreations for this are very well done. One of the directors of this documentary is actually um, the guy who directed Napoleon Dynamite. So it's somebody who has uh, directed a lot of, um, you know, uh, things with actors. Why can I not think of a more eloquent way to say that? But he knows how to direct actors. So they yeah. have they have these recreations that they're putting in throughout the series while you hear voiceovers. Those are all really well done. But there's this one part where um, somebody is describing. So we we're gonna center on like these two main people, real people, Mark Hoffman and Shannon Flynn and um, some things that they were up to in the eighties. Mm -hmm. Also, as the title tells you, this is a story that is about a group of Mormons. And so Shannon Flynn is describing how much Mark Hoffman knew about LDS history and facts that you could read in books and look up and were verifiable. So many facts that there is a game called Celestial Pursuits. Oh, I know the game. And so Shannon is saying that, you know, he would go over to the Hoffman household. They would you know, spend an afternoon or spend an evening playing celestial pursuits and that Mark always got every single question right. He was just so knowledgeable and so smart. And then you see that they're sitting around a coffee table. It's supposed to be this recreation. It's the 80s. You see here's the board game, Celestial Pursuits, right there. And then you see there's a nice plate of Rice Krispie Treats and the hand acting. I think it's supposed to be the person who's portraying Shannon Flynn in the recreation. You see just a hand reach towards the plate of Rice Krispie Treats and do this little hand wiggle like, I don't mind if I do. Or like, okay, if you insist, I'll have a Rice Krispie Treat. And then he, and then you just see the hand take the Rice Krispie Treat, the Rice Krispie Treat off the plate. 
That was amazing. That was the best hand act because I don't see commercials that feet hands were featured so much in commercials in the eighties. Like all those commercials for like dish soap that would like moisturize your hands as you wash the dishes. So just very of the moment. Excellent yes. hand acting. Okay. Those are the two. Uh, offbeat things that I wanted to talk about before we jump into murder among the Mormons. I'm actually glad you did that because I think I was lost in some of the going back and looking at a story that I've heard about before, actually. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. I don't, so I was like kind of lost in the history and diving much deeper than I've ever heard before, which was great Um, that I missed some of those nuanced moments, but yeah, I'm going to go back. It has rewatchability now. Yes, at least. I mean, and this happens in the first, I don't know, uh, 15 minutes of the first episode. Yeah. So you could just watch that part. Um, I'm going to say that um, I originally heard this story on Forensic Files. How about you? Did you know about this story before? No, I had not heard this specific story, but I had heard how leadership of the LDS Church, which... Um, I mean, Richard, correct me if I'm wrong. The official way to reference people of this religion is now to say LDS, which is short for Latter-day Saints. But the title of this is Murder Among the Mormons. And anecdotally, I know a lot of people that are fine with saying Mormons, but that's not my place to say. So it changes from decade to decade. Um, you know, we were... I say we because I used to be a part of the church too, but um, back in the day, it was the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and then because of the Book of Mormon, we were kind of nicknamed the Mormons, and there was a time where we're like, no, we're not Mormon, we're the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and then they're like, no, but let's embrace that we're Mormon. In the 80s, we were embracing the Mormon term, and then Mm -hmm. like in the 90s and 2000s, we were against it. Then in like 2010, we were back into saying, hey, meet the Mormons, and I'm a, I am a Mormon.com if you want to know more about me, blah, 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 blah. But mm-hmm. now, as recent as 2020, the prophet is back to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So it, it does okay. go back and forth. So you're not wrong to assume that most Mormons are fine being referred to as Mormons or LDS or members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but it does change. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I had not heard of this case in particular, but what I was aware of is that people in upper church leadership, meaning people that live in Salt Lake city every day when they go to work, they are going to the headquarters of the LDS church. And I had heard that there was this phenomenon of purchasing documents that were maybe real, maybe fake. Maybe they shed a good light on church history. Maybe they shed a negative light on church history. Yep. Yeah. So one of the documents in question is highly talked about in this documentary. Yes. Is the, the salamander letter. And that... Yeah, that was a big deal back then. And now for people in the future to look back on, they're like, that was kind of a big deal because the fact that higher ups in the church 
were interested in, in obtaining this document, it was a little bit um, salacious to say the least to the, the reputation of the church. But I will say as somebody who has been through the church and is kind of on the outskirts of it there, I mean, Joseph Smith himself had documents, had accounts, had different um, reports or articles written that contradict, you know, the, the other ones that he would do. So there's a lot of contradiction in it. So it, it doesn't surprise me that this letter would have a new story that the church would be like, oh gosh, there's another one out there. We, we kind of want to have one storyline. We don't want to have, it could have been this, it could have been that. So they were trying to like hone it all in and kind of have one church history when there has been differing accounts the whole time. And what I noticed, uh, especially in this documentary, was Matt, was his name, what was his last name? His name, Mark Hoffman. Mark Hoffman, not Matt Hoffman. Matt Hoffman was a former contestant on Big Brother. That's why he's in my head. Mark Hoffman. Uh, And he has not bombed or attempted to bomb or any, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're not going to drag his name in the mud through this, but Mark Hoffman. Unless it was that one murder season of Big Brother. Was he on that one? Oh, the oh yeah, the one where they like had had killed the, the contestants, but they did come back as zombies, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. okay. They still were able to finish the season. Yeah, that was season. Those 10, confessionals were wild, but we digress. We digress. Um, uh, Mark Hoffman actually strikes me as a Joseph Smith character. The fact that when he was a child, he would go on treasure hunts. Um, that's what Joseph Smith did. So I'm like, he's merely emulating the prophet of his supposed religion. Interesting. Yeah. 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 There's. It's interesting trying to talk about this for, for a three... Also, I don't know what the filmmakers were going for. Maybe they just assumed everybody knew the baseline plot of like A, B, and C. There's either events that happened. It's a true story. It happened, um, you know, 35 years ago. So right. maybe the the people that were making this just thought, well, we're just going to assume everybody knows the series of events that unfolded. And our job is to really just dig deeper and really put together a more cohesive narrative but they do Mm -hmm. kind of like play it a little coy throughout the series of like they're not straight up saying like he here's the people that got murdered here's the people that were eventually convicted of the murder and here's the the reason for the murder yeah they were Definitely because um, Mark Hoffman implicated himself as a victim at first, they kind of were not showing us who was he the one that was doing it, but he was one of the victims. So it was like, but the second that you see that, like the first two victims died instantly and that he then somehow escaped with minor injuries you're like well that was just the red herring attempt to throw people off but um because it's very rare that what do i know i'm gonna take that back i don't know it's very (laughs) rare (laughs) 
I am not an expert in um, um, munitions. Is that even the right word? I don't even know what I'm not an expert in. What I'm trying to say, though, is it seems to me from watching stuff (laughs) that that like somebody would get away with lesser injuries from somebody who's making the same type of explosive or same type of bomb unless it's like oh well they like there was a a mishap with the the chain of events and so they touched the package they opened the package something didn't happen they walked away and you know that's what the fact that it was like in the car just as soon as seeing that it's like oh this is supposed to be an attempt to take the attention off of him as a possible suspect yeah and that's how i feel like it probably went down i mean he's claiming other motives and other reasons but we just don't know but that since he didn't die you're right it's like hmm it's just the whole story is just fascinating because in forensic files and other retellings of this uh, murder investigation, they don't go into the deep, you know, forgeries of all the documents. I thought Mm -hmm. that was fascinating, especially in the eighties, like you have said that we didn't have the technology that we have now to detect forgery that he was able to convincingly recreate. And I, one of the scenes I loved is when he's in, an old used bookstore and he just exacto knifes out an old page from an old book that was blank. And I'm like, Oh, that's smart because then the paper is old. Yeah. So you're halfway there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, with so many examples of, of people who commit crimes, commit horrendous, crimes you can take a step back and say man this person had so much potential or they had these talents and what a terrible terrible shame that this is what they put their time and attention towards was this right and it did and it did seem like mark lacked empathy because oh my gosh that was chilling It was so chilling. He could not understand that, you know, whether I facilitate someone's death or it be a car accident, it doesn't make a difference. And in my head, I'm like, no, that makes that was so messed up. That was so messed up. Oh, and and what also to me, at least what makes this case so strangely, weirdly fascinating is in many ways, and maybe somebody could come up with a, an argument to prove me wrong, but in many ways, something like this document forgery, you could kind of say it's a victimless crime. Right. Well, because he, they even say in there, if it's registered as a true old document and everyone believes it is, then it is. That makes sense to me. And you could okay. and you could say like, well, you know, look, the the people that are into and that could be like art forgeries too, but 
you know, the, the people that are um, buying these documents because they think they're valuable, well, they have enough money in their lives yeah. to have this expendable income. So whatever, right? Um, yeah. You're not taking food out of the mouths of children or you're not hurting somebody, you know, whatever. Um, almost like a Robin Hood kind of attitude. But what then is so hard to follow then is the next jump in logic to the murders and the callousness. Yeah, that he might get found out that he's doing, you know, arguably a crime, but not something that would land him in prison forever. Right. And that he would cover it up with murder, which is the worst. Yeah. Or that he was saying part of the reason why he was doing it. I mean, he, and he also, we'll just say he wasn't just forging documents that were supposedly connected to the history of um, the founding of LDS church. He also was forging documents that were supposedly from, you know, a famous American and maybe British too. Cause he did that. Um, he did his, his mission in England. Oh yeah. In London. Yeah. Um, but you know, that he was also forging documents from world renowned um, authors, poets, um, you know, great thinkers of their time. So he wasn't just forging religious documents. He was also forging documents from quote unquote famous historical people. Sure. Yeah. Like the, like one of the first printing presses, he was making one that was like, this is the first thing ever printed and it's the real legitimate first copy of it. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, millions of dollars it would have been, but you know, it also just seems like he, Kind of. So he was saying though that he did this stuff against um, the church because he, at a at a young age, was just like, nope, I don't believe any of this, and I don't think anybody should be this religion, and so I'm gonna like bring them down from the inside. That's a real simplification, but that kind of seemed to be his logic. Um, yeah. Again, you know, you could say, well, then again, that's kind of like a victimist crime, quote unquote, meaning he's not actively hurting anybody. If the church has all this money, then Mm -hmm. that's up to them what they choose to do with all this money to buy these documents. Right. Um, So he could have just left it at that. That I mean, it's just chilling then that he hurts these people. Or also then it's like just weird that these are two, the two people that are murdered are not high-ranking church officials. I'm not trying to say that he should have tried to murder high-ranking church officials, but then that just, again, I guess there's no finding logic with somebody who is of this mindset. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the sad thing. I I thought they did a great job in the documentary by pulling clips from local news and also town meeting news shows and magazine shows. I will say Salt Lake City in the early 80s, I don't know how many local news shows there were because they were pulling all these different interviews from the time. Yes. Yeah. And like they went ahead and like spouses of the victims, they would like sit down and have like an Oprah-esque interview with them. Like, what would you say to 
you know, the person that murdered your husband and terrible the like, line of questioning. Why would you ask a terrible. widow that your husband was murdered for no good reason? Yeah. She had a great answer though. She was like, no, I choose not to dwell on thinking about him. I want to move on from my experience and he doesn't deserve my time of day. And I was like, you oh, go, yeah, girl, she handled, it was she- a bad question. She did it's it just well. uh, terrible, terrible questions to ask the widow of someone who was um, murdered by a bomb. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, the, just the fact that they were able to pull all that footage, plus the new interviews, were really great. The Shannon um, fellow—he's <laughs> so funny. From earlier clips to him today, he's just like. I'm, I'm so embarrassed. What a, Well, what was, a transformation. Just to talk about Shannon Flynn for a moment. Um, I guess people's voices change as they age because his voice is very, very different. But what I thought was more interesting was all of the video footage of him from the 80s. He was a very casual dresser who's basically wearing like a sweatshirt and jeans. Mm-hmm even when he went on to be on the talk show, but now he dresses in a three piece suit with a bow tie and a pocket watch. So I don't know somewhere in the past 35 years, he's had like a wardrobe transformation. I would like to know um, what was the style journey along the way. Did he just wake up one day and start wearing three piece suits or did he start with like, a blazer with jeans and then like he started wearing bow ties to like weddings and other events and then you know somewhere along the way he would uh became a winston churchill impersonator <laughs> right oh my gosh um let's let's just um ask the director of napoleon dynamite to go ahead and do the next film about that style journey. I would watch it. Oh, okay. So style among the Mormons. Now that. Yes. Yeah. Richard. I mean, who am I to talk? Um, I just tangentially know some people, but uh, so you tell me if I'm wrong, but would you watch that three part docuseries of style among the Mormons? 100%. Yeah, we can talk. We can talk Provo style versus SLC style. Uh, We can talk (laughs) uh, suburban (laughs) versus urban Mormon style. Mm. East coast, West coast. Yes. We could talk about the bump it in the hair and all of the above. Yes. Um, The embrace of um, long floral skirts and a prairie hat. Yes. I don't remember. Ankle boots. Did I send you the clip of the Mormon missionary female that had many layers of dresses on? I sent it to Shannon. I know. I don't know <laughs> if I sent it to you. No, no, but oh. She sang very beautifully. She was like singing as a lot of the missionaries right now during COVID are proselytizing through Facebook, which is fine. But, I was hoping you'd say TikTok. Oh, I wish TikTok. That would have been more on trend. But um, in the documentary, they said, if you want to roll back the clock 10, 15, 20 years, welcome to Utah or something. I forgot the joke, but it was like, who's 10 years behind the time? That's Utah. But so they're on Facebook now, which is great. Missionaries on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she was singing a beautiful hymn or song that was spiritual. And 
I noticed she was wearing like a t-shirt and then like a, a dress on top of it, then a sweater on top and then another layer. And I'm like, honey, so much layers. Well, she's just thankful that the mission president gave her permission to go on Facebook. So. <laughs> That's right. Hey, so there we go. Okay. Well, um, that's all that's all I have to say about this this documentary at the time. Yeah, if you're looking for something to binge, a little true crime, I think this will scratch the itch for you. Yeah, enjoy guys. Goodbye. I love it. Daily Chit Chat is hosted by Richard Templeman and Gretchen Lilly. Our theme music is by Siddhant Sharma. Please follow us on Twitter at dailychitchat underscore and like and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening.